श्री भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी प्रभुपाद की जाए भक्ति रक्षक श्री राजीव गोस्वामी महाराज की जाए श्री भक्ति सदंत सरस्वती ठाकुर प्रभुपाद की जाए जय गिराज गोवर्धन महाराज की जाए श्री श्री कृष्ण बलराम की जाए गौर नित्यानंद की जाए श्री श्री गौराधा माधव की जाए ग्रंथराज श्रीमद्भागवत की जाए वृंदावन धाम की जाए गो भक्तवृंद की जाए गो प्रेमानंदी This morning we're going to read from Srimad Bhagavatam, 10th Canto, Chapter 15, Text 1. Shri Sukhuvacha Tataschya paugandha vaya shitto vajay babhu vatusto pashupala sammato kascharayanto shakibhi samampadair vrindavanam punyumativa chakratu Shri Sukhuvacha Sukhadev Goswami said, Tataschapau Gandhavaya Shrito Braje. Chapter 15 follows the chapters involving the Brahma Vimohan Lila, culminating in Lord Brahma's prayers. Very important chapters for us in our Sampradaya. And with those chapters, Krishna passes through his Kumar Lila. As you no, Krishna's Leela is divided into three sections in Vrindavan, Kumar, Paganda, and Kishore, and then leaving Vrindavan, youthfulness, Yovana, continues for the rest of his Leela, even though it lasts for a long time, maybe 125 years, ever youthful, Krishna. So in this chapter, with the close of the Kumar Leela, Pogandalila begins, therefore it is said, Tatas, then, Cha, and then with that, Poganda Vaya, Shrito Vrajay. Krishna began his Pogandalila. Generally, these are divisions of ages given by the poets in the Kavya, books of poetry. So generally this Poganda begins at six. Kumara Lila for first five years, then from six to ten, Poganda, 10 to 15, Kishore, and then youthfulness begins. But we know from Srimad Bhagavatam that Krishna's age, Krishna's growth, his maturing is a little different than that of ordinary boys. As mentioned in the 8th chapter of the 10th canto, in relation to Gargamuni's conducting the name-giving ceremony, we can say he is the Nam Guru of Krishna <laughs> and Sandipani Muni, the Mantra Diksha Guru. At that time it is mentioned, Kalenal Penaraja She Rama Krishna Chukokule. In Gokul, this took place, Raman Krishna. After a very short time, Kalenal Pena. Alpa means very little and Kala means time. So after a very short time, Raman Krishna began to walk about. In other words, without crawling for a long time, like most children do, before learning to walk very quickly, the implication is they began to walk. So Sanatana Goswami Prabhu has drawn from this another reference in the same chapter, same term is used to describe their childhood as progressing very quickly to determine that Krishna's Growth is different than that of ordinary boys. We have experience like this also, that sometimes children mature at a quicker rate than others. So this is one aspect of Krishna Lila, that while he was actually only, for example, in the Kishore Lila, he was only 11 years when he killed Kangsa, but he had just spent his whole Kishore Lila dancing with the gopis and all in Vrindavan. Normally, that would be just the beginning, really, of his Kishore Lila. So the point is that he matures at about one and a half times the rate of normal children. And as I say, even in our human experience, there are some children like this. Sometimes it is said the son of a king has a tendency to mature more quickly than ordinary children. So when Krishna is... 10, 11, he's like he's 15, mature for his age. So the Pogondalila is beginning, but Krishna is not six years old. 
here he's five years old. Normally he would be, we would think by this calculation, this determination of Sanatana Goswami, that he would be three years old, entering his fourth year. But we know from the previous section, Brahmavi Mohan Lila, that for one year, all of Krishna's intimate friends, other than Baladev, of course, on the day that Brahma stole the intimate friends of Krishna and the calves that Krishna was herding at that time, Baladev stayed home because it was his birthday. And so Mother Rohini and Jashoda attended the various rites, rituals. So Baladev staying at home, and therefore he didn't see that Brahma's attempt to steal the calves and cows, and Krishna's manifesting himself then as so many calves, so many cows, exact replicas. So exact were the replicas of the cowherd boys and calves that their mothers and the cows could not recognize the difference. The idea is that Krishna knew their hearts so well. Actually, their souls practically are one, although appearing in many different bodies. So he could completely replicate them to the extent that the parents and the cows could not even recognize that there was any difference. But Baldev could understand some difference in that he saw, observed, an intensification of affection. And of course, by that he understood, oh, my master Krishna has displayed some kind of mystic power here. With this kind of thinking, he could understand that something wonderful had happened. He was absent at that time, and when the whole Leela came to a close, the day that Brahma came and offered his prayers, having returned in a minute of his time, which was a year of earthly time, Balaram was also absent because, again, it was his birthday. He was at home. <laughs> so he missed the whole Leela, and the cowherds themselves and the calves missed one year of the Kumar Leela being hidden in the cave. So when this pastime came to a close, it was time for the Poganda Leela to commence. But Krishna, feeling that his friends had missed a whole year, and he wanted to extend it another year, that they could all participate. So for a fourth year, the Kumar Leela extended. And then, beginning of the Poganda Leela, we come to here in this chapter. And because of the exuberance, excitement of Krishna, resulting from reuniting with his friends. Even though Krishna could fully replicate all those cowherds, boys, still he was not satisfied with his own creation or manifestation of them. He wanted those cowherds themselves. He wanted to associate with them. So having that again, that opportunity, then they raced along in the Leela such that the Poganda Leela only lasted for two years. So Krishna begins then his Kishore Leela just at seven. He's lifting the Gorodan hill, glancing at the gopis, and entering into the Ras Leela. Actually, this Poganda Leela is characterized also by the upsurge within Krishna and gopis of feelings that they're not quite physically capable of expressing, but the feelings of such love are beginning to develop within them. It's not that they are beginning at a certain period of time, like in ordinary boys and girls. Love of the gopis for Krishna, love of Krishna for gopis, is inherent in them from their very appearance. It's eternal. But relative to the Leela, it manifests at particular time. So at this time in the Poganda Leela, actually this chapter, 15th chapter, takes us through the whole Poganda Leela. Obviously many things took place, but Bhagavatam is only giving a synopsis of the Prakat Leela. So in this 15th chapter, practically Krishna passes through the whole Poganda Leela. At the end of this chapter, we'll find Krishna exchanging glances with the gopis as he returns from the forest after killing Denukasura. So there is some indication of Purvarag, 
It means the beginning, kindling of love. Purva means before. So before actually meeting and expressing that, by glancing and gestures, it's beginning to awaken, to manifest. At this time, Krishna loses interest in those type of childhood activities that uh, precede this age, and he becomes, intelligence starts to manifest. Krishna becomes a very thoughtful young boy and speaks very eloquently. He's concerned suddenly about being bathed by his mother. (laughs) And uh, he starts to speak to her such that uh, she should be obedient to him rather than he obedient to her. And she finds it very charming. But at the same time, there's an apprehension that she feels because whether she realizes it or not, she knows within that Krishna's dharma is that of a cowherd. And although at this time she has already acquiesced to his herding the calves that happened earlier in the Kumar Lila, the idea of his being a full-fledged cowherder, going out with the big cows and spending full day, day after day after day in the forest, is a little hard for her to bear the thought of. She's got him at home practically all the time. We're on a short leash taking care of the calves. So although it's charming that for her to see him mature, it's also making her a little bit anxious. And so she relates this to the other motherly gopis who, along with their husbands, are more aware of this condition than Nanda Maharaj and Yasoda themselves who are in some kind of denial about the whole thing. (laughs) At this time, Krishna starts spending more time with his uncles, Upananda, Sananda, the brothers of Nanda Maharaj, and he feels he can confide in them certain things that he cannot confide in Nanda Maharaj. Nanda Maharaj begins to feel some distance is being created between my son and myself. I see him talking with you. He speaks to his brothers, and when I come, he becomes quiet, suddenly. So, what's up? (laughs) And the youngest of them, the brothers of Nanda Maharaj, speaks up and says boldly, your son wants to become a cowherder. This is a bit of a, a shock to Nanda Maharaj. As any father or mother is in some denial about their children growing up, they always like to see them in a certain light. Even they become a big important person <laughs> that becomes secondary in their consideration. They see them in terms of being my child, being my son, being my daughter. It was a little shocking to hear this, but the blow is softened by one of the other brothers who relates that actually what's taking place is that Krishna is concerned that you, his good father, should not have to at your age, take care of the cows to such an extent that I should relieve him of that. So Nanda Maharaj has to go and consult with Jashoda and discuss the matter, what to do. And so after some time, they considered that, yes, uh, this is Krishna's dharma. We are all cowherds. So it has to come at some time. We should arrange for a proper day according to the astrologers and the tantrics who make consultation and find what is an appropriate day to have the initiation for Krishna's becoming officially a cowherder. This kind of initiation is uh, desirable. (laughs) But actually, the development of Krishna's poganda and his urge to be a cowherder was progressing at such a rate, unbeknownst to Nanda Maharaj, that by the time he had decided to arrange for a date, it was already practically too late. When he came to announce, uh, I've decided to arrange a, a appropriate time for the cowherding initiation, the elders told him, it's already happening. The cows have refused to go out into the forest. 
unless your son is accompanying them. And today, because we have to let the cows out, he's already gone. He was shocked. What to do? So he was advised. In times of emergency, then you have to act immediately. So immediately something must be done. So it was arranged for the cowherding initiation of Krishna. I think maybe Kartik Mahatmi of Padmapurana gives the description of that uh, stellar arrangement. Eighth day of the bright fortnight of the moon of Kartik. It's called Gopastami. So on this day Krishna was initiated as a cowherder. Big ceremony, kettle drums playing, announcing the whole affair, and Krishna and Balaram decorated, they came and offered obeisances to the Brahmins, to the cows. They fed them very nicely and again respected them, washed the feet of the cows. Nanda Maharaj decorated them with tilak, gave Krishna the stick for cow herding, all the requisite appropriate paraphernalia, and then Mother Yasoda tearfully going along with the whole affair. In Govinda Lilamrita, this is described by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami as a, a daily event so touching. Mother Yashoda's drenching Krishna with her tears at the thought that he will go into the forest all day. And she insists every day, you should wear shoes. And he resists Every day, I cannot wear shoes. Here it is mentioned. Tatascha ganda bayasrito braje bhuvatu sto pashu pala samato gascharayanto sakibi samampadair vrindavanam punyati vachakratu. So with his friends, gascharayanto sakibi samampadair. His feet, vrindavanam punyamativa, made the land of Vrindavan. We discussed the glory of Vrindavan to some extent the first day we came. It is supremely pious, even in Vaikuntha. It is called the Mahavaikuntha. It is called the forest of Vaikuntha in the Puranas, in the Tantra. The forest of Vaikuntha. That means just like in a royal place, you have special gardens and forest where the king would like to go and roam and take off his crown and be himself. This is the idea of Vrindavan. So it is an extremely pious place. But here it is mentioned, Krishna's walking on the Vrindavan made it even more pious. Punyamativa, extremely pious, increased its piety. This is the general idea of how a place becomes pious. The Lord's devotees are present there. If the Lord's devotees are present, chanting his name, then the Lord is present there as well. This must make the place a tirtha, a place for crossing over tirtha, material existence, to go to the other side, making it a holy place. What was Vidura told? He wanted to go traveling on pilgrimage to the holy places, tirtha jatra. But Maharaj Yudhisthira told him that what is the use of that? Verily, persons like yourself are places of pilgrimage because you carry the Lord in your heart wherever you go. So, saintly persons make a place pious, holy, sacred, because they make the Lord present there. So, Vrindavan is the supremely pious place, and wherever Krishna walks in the forest of Vrindavan, that becomes even more pious. Well, we go throughout Vrindavan, we worship the dust, of Vrindavan, the Brajraj, we put on our head every place. But someplace we find the footprint of Krishna, and that becomes even more auspicious, more pious. At Radhadamadar, they're holding the footprint of Krishna there in the um, stone from Govardhan, and you can come and have darshan. Some places out in the Braj also can find the footprints of Krishna melted in the stone. It becomes pious and more pious by his footprint. And never the shoe is there, only the barefoot. Krishna goes cow herding with his bare feet. From this we are to learn that we can't enter Krishna Lila with our shoes on. The shoes which we are tracking so much 
dirt and dust from our material sojourn that would have to be left aside. No shoes. This is the idea. And barefoot means walking without any anxiety. Mother Yashoda, of course, is in little anxiety about Krishna walking barefoot. But Krishna replies, you don't have to worry about that. Because the Vrindavan is such that there are beautiful deer who dust the trails, making them soft and sandy, just like a beach. And the trees bend down also and sweep and make everything very soft. The cows go ahead and they break the ground and soften it for Krishna to walk upon. The whole environment rises to the occasion to serve Krishna in every way. Mother Yasoda is concerned about his tender feet. Gopis also concerned, young gopis. But Krishna assures Mother Yasoda there's no cause for concern. Still they remain concerned. The nature of Vrindavan Dham is such that the abode of the Lord facilitates in every way the service of Krishna. Here in material world we're struggling against material nature to serve Krishna. We are actually moving against the current. When we fully absorb ourselves in Krishna consciousness, we find that nature comes to serve and facilitate. Sridhar Marsh used to say in his own poetic language that the environment is friendly. We see that the environment is unfriendly. We think that we are friendly, but the environment is not cooperating. But the vision of the great souls, Mahabhagavatas, is just the opposite. The Kunishtarikari devotee thinks, I am doing such nice service, but the environment is not cooperating. Other people are not cooperating. I could do very nicely, serve very nicely, if other people would stop getting in my way. He thinks, she thinks, oh, I'm a devotee. Everyone else is, to one extent or another, opposed to devotion. And Uttamadikari thinks just the opposite. He sees everyone as devotee, everything, even inanimate things, as offering better service to Krishna than myself. Only I, he thinks, am not a servant of Krishna. So we have to move from Kanishtadikari mentality to Uttamadikari mentality by this kind of discrimination that characterizes Madhyamadikari, thinking about it with introspection. I cannot think like Uttamadikari, but I should know theoretically how they think, as far as it's understandable, as it's described in Bhagavatam. What is their vision? Gopis offering respect to the trees, to the deer, to the earth itself. What is in their own heart, there's a saying in Bhagavatam, Atmavatmanyatejagat. So what is in our heart, we project that, seeing it in others. So their prem their love of Krishna is so great that they see everyone as if everyone and everything is loving Krishna and better than them. So we shall try to cultivate this kind of thinking in a general way as Madhimadikari with some discrimination, thoughtfulness, and introspection in our devotional culture. We have to think about the things that we're doing. At some point, just like when we went to Prabhupada, under Prabhupada's tutelage for many years, Prabhupada told us, don't think. The idea was to just listen to what I have to say. And he filled us up with so much, don't think. But is that forever? Or will there be a time when all those things that our Gurudev invested in us, we are now called upon to think about what they mean and how to apply them practically in our everyday life. Especially this time will come in his absence. And when we do so, we realize he's not absent at all. This is the way in which he stayed with me, stays with me forever through his vani, his instructions. In that sense, the vani and the vapu are the same. But we are attached to the vapu of our Gurudev for the wrong reasons, because he's maybe a good singer or good-looking or he has a nice personality, whatever it may be. And his vani, we're attached to only the vapu of his vani, only the outer meaning, the the outer sound without being acquainted with the inner meaning. So we have to progress and know the heart of our Guru. This is the standard of Narutam Thakur. He says, Sri Chaitanya Mano Bishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupakaramayam Radati Savadantikam He desired to understand the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He understood it. Sri Chaitanya Mano Bishtam 
When will I understand the heart, the, the inner mind, purpose of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his descent in this world? So we shall try to think like this. Become a first class disciple. What does my Gurudev want? What is he trying to accomplish? What does he want of me? So many details are given. Go here, do this, do that. But what is it all for? What is it all to culminate in? So Prabhupada told us at a certain point, don't think. But that was so that he could fill our hearts up. If the mind is too active thinking, then how will anything go into our heart? If we're, that means, guided by our mind and our intellect, then just like if you speak to an audience of people in general who don't have shraddha, faith, or whose shraddha is komal, weak, tender, whatever they say, you take in through your intellect. Think about it, keep it there in your head for some time, and if your intellect gives a stamp of approval, then you let it go down into your heart. If enough gets down into our heart, we're fortunate, then we can start to retire this thinking and waiting for the stamp of approval of intellect for everything that our Gurudev is saying. As the heart comes out, mind and intellect recede to the background. Not questioning, as mind and intellect do, as to the truth of the statement or the value of it, but rather functioning in this way, how to carry it out. Now we may question whether there is God or not with our intellect, but when we develop properly in spiritual life, then intellect will retire to the background and not question whether or not God exists, but how to best serve God in any instance. This is how intellect is functioning, the intellect of the soul, intellect proper. In Vrindavan, devotees are determining how to best serve Krishna at any given instance. Mother Yashoda is nursing child Krishna, and the milk is boiling over on the stove in Damodar Lila. That milk was acquired with much effort. Krishna was known at that time for crawling out of the house and going to the neighbor's houses and stealing butter and yogurt. So Nandamars and Yashoda Mai, they're thinking, there must be something wrong with our milk. We've got 900,000 cows in our herd. Let us select from the herd the best of the cows, bring them in a special pen, prepare special grasses for them, that we can get the best quality milk in all of Brudge, so that Krishna will be satisfied to stay at home. <laughs> the real reason that Krishna is going out is because it tastes better if you steal it. That is his thinking. <laughs> There's some other element to it of excitement, and it tastes that much better. We have that experience with our own cows. If you feed them daily, after a while, they get a little bored. And if they get any chance to break out and eat the hidden goods, then they are relishing it that much more. This is our experience. No Krishna is like that. But Mother Yasoda, preparing that milk, then it is boiling over, and she's nursing him. So she has to think with spiritual intelligence. It's all service to Krishna, <laughs> nursing him the milk coming from the grasses, coming from those cows, now being prepared, what to do now. So it's not whether to serve Krishna, but how to best serve him in any given instance. So she puts him down, she goes and tends to the milk, and so the Dhammanar Lila goes on. So Prabhupada told us at a certain point, practically he taught us the whole time, don't think, <laughs> please, don't think, just listen. And I filled our hearts with so much. We should know that we become indebted thereby, and at some point, Gurudev may call on us. I think I put something in your heart. What was that? Sometimes we find the spiritual master asks the advice of the disciple. How should we think about that? He needs my advice. I thought I was supposed to be <laughs> being advised by him. The idea is we shall think, he has invested something in my heart. Now he's calling on that. He's put something in my heart that enables me to think in a spiritual way, such that I can give some advice or counsel. Uddhava was the counselor of Krishna in Dwaraka. And Krishna would ask his counsel, and he would say, this is bewildering. You are omniscient. Uddhava's relationship with Krishna is such that he knows that Krishna is omniscient. Although you are omniscient, you know everything, still you ask me for advice. In relation to this statement of Uddhava, Vishwanu Chakvri Thakur has made a nice point in his Raghavart Machandrika. He asks a question. Krishna is in Vrindavan. He is absorbed in Prem. He has forgotten practically that he is God, due to the influence 
of his own Surup Shakti, appearing as his Nitya Parikars, his eternal associates, and those sadhakas who have fully developed and entered the Leela, they are completely under the influence of Surup Shakti. See, our position as a soul is somewhat defective if we are to take a look at all types of souls. As Tatasta Shakti, we are prone to our present condition. Surup Shakti is not prone to that. When Surup Shakti comes in our heart, that means when Krishna invests his own nature in our heart, then we can have relationship with Krishna. Because Krishna is Atmaram, he's self-satisfied. So when he invests his own self, his own nature, Surup Shakti, in our heart, Prema Suryang Su Samyabak, Shuddha Shatva Visheshatma, Larini Shakti Sambit Shakti. When this dawns in the heart, this is Bhav Bhakti, like the ray of the sun of Prema. Then we are devotee proper. We can directly associate with Krishna and cultivate that relationship. So this is the grace of Swarup Shakti. We become whole by that. Otherwise we are prone to our present condition. So all Vrindavan is under the influence of this Swarup Shakti. Vishwanachavri Thakur questions, well, Krishna is absorbed in his leela with his devotees. He's become even subordinate to them. His godhood is suppressed. We want to go to Krishna, tread the ragmarg, such a high thing to go there. We may offer prayers to Krishna as a sadhaka, but how will Krishna hear us? Because he's completely overwhelmed by the love of his devotees. Lakshmi Sahasra Satasangrama Sevyamano Govindamari Purusham Tamambajami Millions of Lakshmis. And each one of those gopis is more charming and beautiful than Lakshmi herself. More capable of satisfying Krishna. He's attended by these types of devotees and not one Hundreds and thousands, Lakshmi Sahasra Satasambramasevamana. So, how will he hear us when we are praying to Krishna? Vishwanath Chakravartakur then offers a, a response. He says, Well, Krishna is also the Paramatma. Paramatma is a feature of the Lord that presides over the material nature. And in one of the features of Paramatma, he, as Shirdakshai Vishnu, he enters the heart of everyone. So, we can offer our prayers to the Paramatma. Paramatma is there for hearing everything witnessing everything in our life. He's aware of that, attentive to that. So we can pray to him, and then he can relay that somehow. Indirectly, Krishna will hear. And then in his short treatise, it is as if there is a weighty pause. So what do you think? Is it a good idea? You want the Braj Prem, but Krishna is lost in love of gopas and gopis. He's being chased by the stick of Mother Jasoda. So how will he hear you if you pray to him? You pray to Paramatma. Is it a good idea? Vishwanath Chakrabhitakur is testing our adhikar. <laughs> we refer that we are eager to tread this path or not, he says then. Oh, more or less, he says, if you accept this answer, better stop reading this book. No. <laughs> we cannot accept that. We'll pray to the Paramatma. What interest do we have in Paramatma? Some time ago, years ago, one of my godbrothers wrote a book, our conversation with the super soul, and somebody asked me, one of my other gopas, what do you think of this book? I said, I have not read, but simply from reading the title, I know that it's, he does not understand the Gaudiya Vaishnavism. <laughs> Conversation with the super soul. We are not interested in speaking with him. You've seen the picture of Hanuman tearing his heart apart to get at, have the darshan of Sita and Ram. So that feature of the Lord, whom we cultivate love for, to that extent, that feature of the Lord replaces the Paramatma in our heart. So Krishna Chakritakur cites this verse from Bhagavatam where Uddhava says, you are very extraordinary because although you know everything, still you take counsel from me as if you don't know. And he says the position is reversed in Vrindavan, whereas the omniscience of the Lord in Dwarka is more dominant. And his ordinariness in that he asks advice from Uddhava is secondary. In Vrindavan it is reversed. But he's still omniscient, and he can still hear the prayers of his sadhakas. But we have to think, as sadhakas, how hard we have to pray, <laughs> how sincerely we have to pray, because our task is to draw out that feature of the Lord, which is so 
much secondary and subdued due to the influence of his madurja, his sweetness, his ordinariness, his humanness, so to speak, by which he relates intimately with his devotees. So we are all sadhakas, but we have to do our bhajana kriya with this in mind. Who is our Lord and who has his attention and how we will get his attention? And of course, then we can also think, if I can find someone who has his attention like that, I can pay attention to that person. That will be <laughs> expedient in terms of getting Krishna's attention. So, Vaishnava Seva. In this path of Bhakti, in fact, this idea of serving the devotees is paramount. Even in Krishna Lila, our relationship with Krishna is uh, indirect. Bhakti Thakur sings, From a distance, every now and then, I saw her speaking the Radha. Ours is not, uh, ours is to serve those who are the eternal associates of Krishna, follow in their footsteps. Very desirable position. We shouldn't have any material thinking about this. It is said that Krishna wants to serve his pure devotees, but his pure devotees make it difficult for him to do so because they won't accept any service from him. But through us, who are servants of his pure devotees, Krishna's desire to serve them can be fulfilled. And it's such a cherished desire of Krishna that if we take part in fulfilling that, then we will very quickly and very easily endear ourselves to him. So we want to enter into this proper understanding of Krishna Lila. All these things have to be considered. Here Krishna is beginning his Poganda Lila, barefoot. He used to go into the forest and tender to the cows now, bearing the anxiety of Mother Yasoda. Life has to go on. This is his dharma. He's a cowherder. Jiva Goswami has made a nice statement in Krishna Sandarbha. He said, the reason that great thinkers have difficulty accepting Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead is because he's a cowherder. And the reason the devotees find it easy to accept Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead is because he's a cowherder. <laughs> you have to think about that. It's a very nice idea. And this is my point. We should think about all the things that our Gurudev has invested in us. Sometimes he may call for them, he may ask our advice. If we start to think, oh, Gurudev does not know, he needs my advice, then that will hinder our progress. But if we think, oh, he has put enough inside of me that he can call for some of it back, and I can use it in his service. Or maybe he wants to see if I'm able to think spiritually and respond spiritually. Actually, in Gaudiya Vaishnav Sampradaya, the relationship between guru and disciple is very friendly. It's like a mixture of friendship and parental love. Vishram Bhena Guru Seva, Rupa Goswami says in Bhaktarasamrita Sindhu, affectionate service, like friendliness with a touch of parental love. It was interesting for us to go to Sridhar Maharaj after being with Prabhupada, who was like a stern father. And again, as I say, he told us, don't think, don't think. And then to come to Sridhar Maharaj and hear him say, think, now you think about all the things that your Guru Maharaj has put in your heart in his absence. Think about what it is and what he wants of you, what he expects of you. And then to see some of his disciples telling him, no, no, Guru Maharaj, not, not like that, don't do that. No, 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 here, take your medicine. Now, stop talking, take medicine. We did not have that kind of rapport <laughs> with Prabhupada. He had us at a certain stage of development. A little bit in the end, start to come out. There was a big debate. Prabhupada wanted to go around Govardhan on a bullock cart. And some devotees said, we should let Prabhupada do whatever he wants. He's the guru. Whatever the guru says, we do. Don't think further than that. And others were arguing, I don't care if he's the guru. It's bad for his health. If he goes, the doctor says, if he goes on the bullock cart, he won't make it even one quarter of the way around Govardhan. It is a bumpy road, and Prabhupada's condition was very, 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 very weak. So it was a big debate. I was there at the time. It went on for quite some time. Prabhupada wanted to go, and one group said, whatever the spiritual master wants, that we should. The other group was, other group was arguing the other way, and Prabhupada was orchestrating the whole thing, drawing out different sentiments and so forth. If we can develop affectionate relationship with our Gurudev, in that he can trust us, then we can offer so much help, so much guidance, so much assistance. It may appear, that is to say, like that. We are to serve the Guru, but Guru will think about serving us. Just like a man or a person thinks about their own limb. 
If I don't tend to care for my own arm, that will not be in my interest. So I take care of it. I feed my stomach. I take care of it. So when Gurudev is making sure that you get something to eat, he's taking care of himself. You have become so close of an instrument in his service that he's concerned in this way. We should try to develop this kind of affectionate relationship by hearing, being introspective. What is the purpose? What does our Gurudev want? And this way we can call our progress very rapidly. As I say, Prabhupada don't think, and Sridhar told us, now you think. Is that the whole instruction? Don't think. Now, in his absence, particularly, you have to think. What did he say? Why did he say it? How to apply it? So that you can feel his company, even in his absence. And more so than previously. So the life of the sadhaka is not something mechanical, very thoughtful life. Scripture does not tell us that we should not use our mental and rational capacity. No, we have to draw on it to its fullest. And in this stage of Krishna's life, his intelligence begins to manifest at Poganda. He starts to be a thinker. And thinking about Nanda Maharaj, he's old. Nanda Maharaj was quite old. And it was a dilemma. Everyone in the Braj was completely content with Nanda Maharaj as the king. In fact, the eldest son was Upananda, and Upananda was coronated by Parjanya Maharaj, the father of the five brothers, as the king. He passed his kingdom on. He coronated Upananda. And what was the first thing that Upananda did after he became crowned king of the cowherds? He said, I am Upananda. That means I am only a little Nanda. Nanda means joy. I am only little joy. I can only give little joy to everyone as a king. But Nanda himself, this brother of mine, he will give all joy to the cowherds. I pass my crown on to him. And everyone accepted happily. Such was the position of Nanda Maharaj. So happily they lived their lives under his guidance. Everything was perfect. Only one problem. And it was one that pervaded the whole of the brudge. What was that problem? Nanda Maharaj does not have a son. And he's getting on. In his age, no son. As all the inhabitants of Braj began to think like this, with intensity, of compassion for Nanda Maharaj, this feeling of love caused Krishna to manifest as the son. This is how the Leela is going on, by love it is moving. When it reaches a certain pitch in the Prakat Leela, then Yogamaya makes the arrangement and Krishna is born as the son of Nanda Maharaj and Jashoda. Now at this time in the Poganda Lila, Krishna is thinking, now I have to do something for my father. He's elderly, he's tending the cows, I should do it myself. This kind of ego, and you could make a good case. With reasoning, he presented it to his uncles, and as I said, they passed it on to Nanda Maharaj, and so the arrangement was made. Krishna was initiated as a cow herder. Mother Yasoda bathing him in her tears, allowing him to go, because it was his destiny. Change comes, we have to move with it. If we want to enter into spiritual life, then we should know it is about change. We should be prepared for change, transformation, not to remain the same. Change the name, change the thinking, change our nature. It is very difficult to do, to change our nature, but this is the task. If we think of the power of Krishna Nam, then we think there's some hope for us. For changing our nature. Otherwise, no hope. We want to awaken our swadharma. Now we have dharma according to karma, particular psychophysiological makeup and tendencies that correspond. But we have a, another nature, and that we are to awaken. Parodharma, ito bhakti hoksaje, aituki apatiyata ayatma samprasidati. Sarai pungsa parodharma. This is Srimad Bhagavatam's message. That is Krishna dharma. That by which the Supreme Self is fully satisfied, and accordingly, we will be fully satisfied. That, what is it? Service to Krishna that is causeless. It's not a product of the world of cause and effect. It's beyond karma. It is causeless. It is beginningless. It is without end. And it is such that those who are possessed of that will not end or stop at anything. 
to satisfy Krishna. The whole of the Braj is moving like that. They will let nothing get in their way to satisfy Krishna. This is Krishna Dharma. Parodharma. Premodharma. And it is appropriately depicted and expressed as this cow herding and so forth. The Braj is different things to different people, but for the devotees, it is the very love of Krishna itself taking practical shape, manifesting. We can draw from it symbolically in so many ways, and we should, but not in such a way that the Leela disappears and becomes only a symbol for something else. It is the be-all and end-all. That Golok, Ham Bhaje Shaita Dipe Golokam Etiyam Brahma Samhita, known by a very few people, Golok, very, very rarely achieved. But Golok Eru Premo Dhan Hari Namasankirtan. Mahaprabhu making it so widely available. So if we want to go there, we have to be a little thoughtful what that place is. And we should read Srimad Bhagavatam like this. I mentioned the other day, if you want to do smarnam, lila smarnam, do like this. Start it this way. This is practical. Not to sit down and imitate great devotees and go to hell. Study Srimad Bhagavatam. What is Krishna lila? What is Brahma Mimohan lila? What is this Denukasur lila? Denukasur lila... Here we're studying the first verse. Krishna enters into Poganda Lila. He becomes initiated as a cowherder. Barefooted, he goes into the forest. Sakibi Samam. He's not alone. He goes with all of his friends. Mother Yasoda said, All right, Ram, you stand in the front. And Subal, by your very nature, you better stand behind. <laughs> Subal. And Sridham on one side, another on the other side, protecting him on all sides. So he's going sakibisamam with his friends and cows and barefooted and making the already supremely pious Vrindavan that much more pious wherever he walks. And we shall walk with him and through the forest. In this Leela, Denukasur Leela, so many nice things are found. So many treasures, so many jewels. Krishna's friends are mentioned. Subal, Stoka Krishna, Sridham, their names are given in this chapter. Baldev's Lila, his relationship as Guru of Krishna, also comes out. Krishna begins to glorify the forest, the Vrindavan. Balaram lays down, he, he glorifies Baldev. Baldev lays down. Krishna massages his feet. Baldev has this kind of relationship with Krishna as his Guru, also as servant, also as friend, threefold. And as this Lila progresses, as I mentioned earlier, the whole of the Pogondalila is given in an aphoristic style, sutra in Bhagavatam. At the end, Krishna is returning from the forest after Denukasura is killed. And there, greeting him as he returns, Radhika and other gopis glancing at him, and he glances at them, and this Puvarag, beginning of love, is kindling. And he'll go into the Kaliyadamana Lila and get to perform, give a sneak preview of Rasalila to all the gopis, dancing on the heads of Kaliya, giving them a glimpse. I am a good dancer, just see. We have to study Bhagavatam like this, 10th Ganda Srimad Bhagavatam, in good company, and catch the spirit of this. We'll be captivated by it. There's nothing more powerful to captivate the mind than this. We should do Kirtan, we should do Nam, Smarnam, Arjapa, and we should... Study the Lila of Krishna. This is a kind of smarnam. We should know when Krishna did this, when Krishna did that. We say we are devotees of Krishna, but we don't know any of these things. We have no interest. So rather than try to jump ahead, you do like this. Study Srimad Bhagavatam, especially in good guidance, 10th canto Srimad Bhagavatam, the Lila's of Krishna. Then gradually they will awaken in your heart and all the details that are not overtly here. They'll all come out. Not only details that are found by other acharyas, but you'll find your own details. You will write your own page, as I said the other day in the book of Krishna Lila, and your name will be signed at the bottom, like Gopu Kumar. He became Swarup and embraced into the cowherd community by Krishna himself as he entered Golok. He became a friend of Krishna, Radharani's Kripa, who came to him as his Gurudev. So let us not go on with this in any mechanical or uh, artificial way, but in the real way. Any question? You mentioned the Brahma Mohan Lila, and it says that um, Brahma was bewildered by Krishna playing as a cowboy boy. 
But um, also, I was thinking that the Brahma Samhita, which is prayers and realizations in Jesus Christ and Brahma, he seemed to have had that realization of Krishna as a Kauri form. So how does it fit with you? How would you understand that? There, it is discussed in different ways. It's also discussed in Gopal Tapani Upanishad. And there are different opinions about what Brahma was instructed. But in this Brahma Vimohan Lila, then we consider that Brahma, who is the guru of our Sampradaya, was bewildered by Krishna for the sake of its, the instructive message of the Lila. That's why in Madhva Sampradaya, they do not accept these chapters of Bhagavatam, the Brahma Vimohan Lila. They say it is interpolation. Because the idea that Brahma, the Adi Guru of the Sampradaya, could be bewildered, they do not accept. The Sudhamars taught, in Gaudi Sampradaya we accept the Guru can be bewildered for the service of Krishna, if Krishna wants. So Brahma Vimohan Lila is an instance in which Krishna bewilders Brahma for the sake of bringing out so many wonderful things that are found in Brahma Vimohan Lila. Just like that marriage of gopis to so many cowherd boys. Brahma was not bewildered and this pastime didn't go on, then what would happen? In other words, Krishna manifests himself as all those cowherd boys. And the gopis were betrothed to them. <laughs> so it is Swakya. <laughs> and the Paraki is a mystic illusion. But an illusion that gives so much pleasure to Krishna that it must be real. Dharma, because extent to which Krishna is pleased, that is the extent to which something has been done correctly. Sangsidir Haritoshanam. Anything else? Jai Bhaktivinda ki Jai Gantaraj Simad Bhagavat ki Jai Guru Vashnav Guru Paramparaki Jai Go Premanandi Jai